feel like this service is ready to party. Am I with the party crowd now? Y'all have had like 16 cups of coffee, right? If you haven't, come on, it's free. Get some before you leave. Find some. And, uh, but no, man, it was awesome. In the first service, we really saw God do some amazing things. We had several people that acknowledged that it was time for them to rededicate and refocus and restart their walk with God. And then we even I heard we had one who gave their life to Christ. Can we give it up for Jesus? Always in the place, doing what only he can do. And so what a, just an awesome honor to be here. I just want to take a minute really quick and honor your pastor and just say that he truly has become a great friend of mine. I love him. He's awesome. I got to hang out with him just a little bit last night, and uh, he's recovering from surgery, if you didn't know. And here's the cool thing. I, this is the last week you got to hear from somebody other than him. Next week, your pastor's back. Can we give God praise? The one, the only Pastor Brandon going to be bringing the word. And uh, I've known him for a while. You guys, this church has been going a little bit longer than ours. And, uh, and so when you've been going, if a church starts and then we started after you, what we do is we just steal everything that you guys did. <laughs> so, you know, that's just, just take the ideas, take the themes. We, uh, and so even steal the messages. Come on, somebody. Come on. God gave me to the, I it up sometimes. God gave me this word in prayer and Google, right? Thank you, Lord, right? No, so we, uh, but no, I've been watching Pastor Brandon and what a phenomenal communicator. We actually had him at Piedmont Chapel just a few weeks ago. The week that he preached, we actually broke 900 salvations in just four years. So we want to give God all the praise for that. But today, I'm going to jump into the Bible in just a minute and, and, and just read a scripture with you. But I want to take one more moment before I get into the sermon. And I just want to remind you, uh, or to kind of maybe inform you of something that maybe you don't realize. And that is that, you know, when you're in the middle of a miracle, a lot of times you don't realize that God is moving. Uh, has anybody ever been to the beach? Wave at me if you've ever been to the beach in your life. You've been, so how many of you are ready to go right now? Come on, somebody. That's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, well, last week, I, my wife and I, we got to go. I got to preach in Wilmington at a friend of mine's church. And uh, when you, God has to call somebody to go preach in Wilmington, you know. So I said, all right, I guess, you know, Lord, if you send me, I'll go. And, uh, and there we are on the beach. We've got a nice place they put us in right on the, on the water. And, uh, and I got in the water with my kids. And I sat down. You know, when you go out to the beach, how many of you know you look crazy if you're a dad now anybody you know like the dad look that's me I've got like a cooler I've got like an umbrella I've got like sunblock has fallen you know I got one I got four kids so now I've got two kids you know just kind of hold them up, like whatever how many of you know that's that's what it looks like you look crazy when you're out there and uh I'm just grateful that the dad bod is in has anybody found that out did you know that I was like I heard out the dad bod was back in I said praise God I was ahead of the curve I was up I was like I was just you know just bringing it back and, uh, and so I'm out there, you know, with the kids, and we get out in the water, and as we get out in the water, we just keep going a little further and a little further, and I, I remember the night before uh, when we came in and checked in, we looked out, and we could see these huge waves crashing in on the shore, and I remember thinking, man, that's awesome, this is such a cool view, and watching the waves roll in under the moonlight, and the next day I was out there, and I got out there, and, and what's interesting is when you're in the water, you really don't notice the waves as much. You don't notice the movement that you're in, because if you've ever done this before, you might know, you put all your stuff down you put your towel down you get your cooler out you get you know your, your water because you're a Christian come on somebody and you you, you know and, uh, and you get all that and and then you and then you walk out into the water and as you go out to the water and you start playing we were out there for like an hour and then when we were done we just turned and we came up on the beach and I'm looking and I'm like somebody stole my stuff what's going on where's my stuff how many of you know it was like 200 yards back that way because the waves the whole time I was playing I didn't even realize that I was in the middle of movement 
And you're in the middle of a move of God, but it's become normal for songs like, I just want you and nothing else. And, and for people to be crying out to God. We're not, how many of you know you got a worship team that doesn't just sing words, but they actually have an anointing to break chains? Come on. you got to start seeing it like that. You don't just got a, a, a pastor of a local congregation. You got a, a kingdom builder. You're not just in church attending. You're actually shaking hell. Come on, this is the way you got to realize. You got to realize that you are part of something phenomenal. Can we just put our hands together? If anybody in this room has ever had a touch from God or been excited to be in this place, part of what God is doing right here. Sometimes we need to acknowledge the miracle and know that God is moving. And so we're right in the middle of this move of God. And today I get invited to come and speak. And I'm like, what am I going to share? And God laid a word on my heart to share with you called by faith. Can you say by faith? faith. And I want to talk to you about the difference between wrestling and running. And if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to the book of Hebrews. That's in the New Testament. And it's talking, it's pretty much the New Testament talking to people who believed in the Old Testament. That's really what the book of Hebrews is. It is a Jesus Christ believing follower penning the words inspired by the Holy Spirit to a group of people known as the Hebrews, which were the descendants of Abraham. And so they had a lot of religion and policies, and they had a lot of law, and they had a lot of different customs and traditions that they had been doing for years. Ever since Abraham, they had built in Moses and, and all down through the line, and King David, and they had become the nation of Israel all through that time. And then all of a sudden, steps on the scene, Jesus. And he, he the author of Hebrews is actually teaching us that the same way that people after before Jesus had to believe that by faith Jesus would come people after Jesus must believe that he did come and so what that's this whole the setup for Hebrews chapter 11 is he's like let me just break it down for you what had happened was come on somebody he begins to tell you what had happened in the Old Testament was by faith they had to live believing a Savior would arrive if you're in this room today and you're maybe kicking the tires on church and you're just test driving Christianity and you're like, man, I don't know if this is for me. I don't really know, you know, how much I believe. You know, somebody invited me here and, you know, and I, I'm just checking it out. Or maybe you're watching this online or, or, and you're seeing this message. Let me encourage you. If you're just looking under the hood to see if this thing even really works, the truth is, is that we have to believe that none of us have it perfect, but we're not walking out perfection because we are not perfect. We're putting faith in a perfect one. And so what I'm just trying to tell you is, is if you see somebody and they got some issues and they're in the seat next to you or the friend that invited you also has some problems or the pastor, you find out that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, you know, get up and float on a heavenly cloud to church with a halo. You find out that he's human. Let me tell you something. That's not what God called us to do. He didn't call us to be a perfect church. He, he, he we, we would never be perfect. He called us to believe in a perfect savior. And just in the Old Testament, you'll find people who were failures in some ways, God still made their life fruitful. And your failures do not disqualify you from fruitfulness. And every person in this room today, God has a plan for you. God has a promise for you. And as I read these scriptures, the author of Hebrews, what he was trying to tell us was we can look back on some examples where God has been faithful before with people who had some failures. And I want to tell you that just because you failed, God does not disqualify you. If you believe it, can we give God a second or two of praise for using people who aren't perfect? And so he starts to tell this story about how he starts to teach us about what faith is. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is 
It's the substance of things that we're hoping for. If anybody in this room, you have hopes, faith is what you need. It's, it's the substance of things that you hope for, and it's the evidence of things that you can't see. For by it, it being faith, for by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. And by faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God. Notice that. That's important. So that the things that are seen were not made by the things which are visible. What is he talking about? This is what this author of Hebrews is saying, and this is what God's word is trying to teach us. He is telling you that sometimes what you see with your eyes is not all that there is. So some of you, that's good news. Some of you went to the ATM last week and you put in the pin number, and what you see with your eyes is not all there is. Come on, can somebody give God praise that he's a supplier? When you go to the doctor and they give you that report, you need some faith to help you. What you heard with your ears from the doctor's report is not all that there is. What this scripture is saying, it's one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible. People preach it all the time. They say, oh, well, faith is the substance of things unseen, the evidence of things hoped for. And it, what it really means is that there is a supply, that there is a supply that is unseen. That what really, so I like that thing where he says the deal about the worlds that you can see were created by something that you can't see because we see so much going on in the world and sometimes we want to have, how many of you ever watched a travel channel? Just wave at me or if you, all right, let me get back, all right, let me talk to the millennials. How many of you follow some travel uh, Instagram accounts? Come on. Okay, that's that, I mean, y'all are with me. And you look at those places and you see them and they're beautiful and they're the waterfall and look how crystal clear the water is. And look at that and oh, that's, a, that's beautiful and look at the sunset and you follow and we see all these places and what this is saying is what you can see that's beautiful comes from a God that is beautiful. That everything that's created comes from a creator and all creation is reflecting him except for the things that are fallen. And so what I'm saying today is you want to see a beautiful marriage, you want to see beautiful children, you want to see a beautiful blessing in your, in, your, in your career, you want to understand what it's like to live this beautiful life, you have to get connected to the creator if you're ever going to see the beauty come through the creation. And so in, in this room today, I'm just saying there's a supply that's behind what you see. And sometimes, this is what I've done in my life, this is where I, I need this scripture I'm always tackling things in the physical because I like to handle it. I'm a man. Come on. Ooh, ooh. You know, like, you that's worse. That's bad. It was way better when Tim Allen did it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we need to bring him back. But, you know, I like, to, I like to fix things. I like to solve things. But sometimes me trying to solve things in the physical gets in the way of what God is trying to do in the spiritual. Yeah. And so I'm just maybe saying to you today, Maybe you've been trying to logically figure this thing out. Maybe you've been trying to, to you know, put all this, the practical steps in place, which are amazing. And I believe that even God's word is practical. But sometimes what you see is not really the solution because you're dealing with a physical manifestation of a spiritual situation. And so I'm just asking, as you survey maybe an addiction in your life, maybe uh, you survey a bad habit, maybe you survey Something about your personality that you look at and you go, that's not the, my best version of myself. As you survey your marriage or you survey your, maybe your relationship with your father, maybe what some relationships in your life. Maybe you survey your circle. Come on, somebody. Say, check your circle. Sometimes you think it's like, it's like oh, man, I don't know. All, I, all, I, you know. all the luck I have is bad luck. If I didn't have any bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. But really, you're just sitting in the wrong circle, and that's a spiritual situation. I'm just saying it can be... Sometimes our 
the problems that we're facing, we, just, we say things like we just keep fighting, but really there's a spiritual insecurity that causes us to have anger and rage because we're really just living mad at ourselves. There are some unseen things that are affecting the, the scene. And in the Old Testament, they had to walk by. There we go. Come on. Let's, we could do a little better. Let's act like there's a thousand of us in here. It wasn't just... It wasn't just today we have to do it, but even back when Abraham was given a promise, he had to walk by faith. There we go. We had to walk by faith. And so I want to show you a guy named Jacob who had to wrestle with some things instead of run from some things. In Genesis chapter 32, we meet a guy, and I'm going to, we're going to put these scriptures on the screen here in just a minute. Genesis chapter 32 and verse 24, we meet a guy who, was in, who basically, he, um, he's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 when he goes through all the people who had to live by faith. He said Abraham lived by faith. He had to travel out where he didn't know. And then he says even Isaac, and Isaac was Abraham's son. Abraham and Isaac, if, you, if you're new to church, any VBS people in the room? Come on, do I got any VBS people? Come on. Anybody went to youth camp? Anybody, how many people went to youth camp before? So we're still praying for you that you can recover from the youth camp experiences and things that happen. What happened at youth camp stays at youth camp. Come on, somebody. And so, but, you know, if, you, if you're new, though, and you didn't get the Sunday school lecture, here's what happened. Abraham and Isaac, they go, Abraham was given a promise from God that he would basically be a, a, a man who would build a nation, that the, the people of the nation would be as many as the sand on the seashore or as the stars in the sky. And he's given this amazing promise, and Abraham doesn't have any children, and he says, well, how am I going to have a child? And God says, you got to trust me. Whole situation goes crazy. At the end of the day, he ends up giving birth to a child. Who knew it? God was right. And so he has this child. He has children. He has this child named Isaac, and then he takes Isaac one day when Isaac's a little older. They go up for a camping trip. How many of you know it's a bad day when you go for a cookout with your dad and you're getting cooked out? That's pretty much what happened, okay? This is it's old heathen times. Like, it was barbaric, barbaric culture. They would bake their own, I mean, they would sacrifice their own kids. This is true in, in humanity. This is a time where they would do this to try to make God, to please God. And God teaches what I don't need from you. He, see, everybody thinks he was testing Abraham. They were, or that Abraham was being tested. That's not what was happening. God was showing that he could be trusted. And so it was actually, it wasn't about God going, how good are you? Some of you need to hear that today. Religion is not about God going, how good are you? Are you willing to give me a kid? That's not God. God's saying, hey, everybody else is sacrificing their children to keep the storm from coming because they think that God, the gods are angry. So if they sacrifice their children, they'll be able to avoid famine. And then God says basically to Abraham, come on up here. Do what everybody else is doing. Now watch this. He says, I'm not like everybody else. It's not about me testing you. It's about you trusting me. And so religion is not, he, he, immediately from the beginning of Abraham, God begins to shift religion and say, I don't need you to prove to me what you're willing to give, how much you'll serve, how much, you, he doesn't need any of that. What I need you to do is I need you to learn that I'm a provider. So, so religion should never be out of trying to prove yourself to this great God so that he's not mad at you. Religion should be overflowing. Uh, the actions are overflowing of believing who he is and what he believes about you. That was a little deep. Come on, somebody. So then Isaac has a son, but he doesn't just have one son. They have twins. Come on, somebody say, oh, that's so cute. They have twins, but they're not identical twins. And then he gives birth. I mean, Abraham doesn't. Isaac doesn't. But the wife does. The wife of Isaac gives birth to these twins. And all the women said, help her, Lord. <laughs> one was enough. And as Esau is coming, Esau and Jacob are the, the two twins, and they're the children of Isaac. And as they're coming out of the womb, 
uh, Esau comes out first because he's the firstborn. And when he comes out first, see, there's this other guy in the womb named Jacob. Because somebody say Jacob. Now, if your name is Jacob, please do not beat me up after the service. Do not find me in, out there in the lobby and tackle me. But the Bible teaches us that, in the, that if you study this and you look at commentary, the name Jacob in the Old Testament, not now, but in the Old Testament, it meant you were a manipulator and a schemer and a scoundrel. And I'm sorry. And all the Jacobs left the building. I always, when I preach the sermon, it's like, do I even tell what Jacob meant in the Old Testament? But it did. It meant that he had a, a shady side. He was the kind of guy who, if he, he, he was cool with you and he was charismatic. He was very gifted with people. He, he gained a lot. And, uh, but the problem was, anytime he was in a relationship with you, he, there was always something in it for him. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with that type of person before where, like, you think that they're doing it for you, but really there's always something in it for them. Come on, anybody know that person? Don't look at them. Don't point at them. If you're married to them, pray for them. <laughs> just kidding. Something just got awkward for somebody somewhere. <laughs> but he had this tendency from a young person, from being a, from, watch this, even on the way out of the womb, Jacob grabs the heel of his brother and says, you know, that looks hard having to push yourself out of there and work, work all that sweat up and get out of the womb. The Bible says that he held on to his brother's heel going out the womb. He got a free ride right out of the, come on, somebody. <laughs> he sure did. Go read the Bible. And that's why they named him Jacob, because it means subplanter, which means basically he, he's always kind of, he, he's, he's always kind of stepping on somebody else, but he's coming from, it's just a, you just got to look it up. You got to go read it. Somebody re, go read your Bible, go read the commentary. It's crazy what Jacob really is labeled from the moment he comes out and his life begins. But Jacob begins to live into this label that everybody has given him. And because he was the secondborn, see, the firstborn was seen as the, you know, the great person who would carry on the lineage and the legacy. And it was a big deal back then to be born first. How many of you, you're the oldest child, you know it ain't a big deal anymore? <laughs> back then, you were the only one getting an inheritance. Back then, you were the only one, you were, the, you were like when they would name people, they wouldn't name all the children. They'd just go down. If they were going down the family tree, they just named the one that was born first and move on to the next generation. And so it was important for your name to be known. It was important for your legacy to be part of your, the, the tapestry of the tree of life. Come on, how many of you watch Lion King, somebody? So, you know, it was, it was if you're going to make it into the Disney movie, you're going to be a part of the story. You've got to, you know, that's the whole deal. If you want to be famous, you want to have money, you better be born first. And Jacob was born second. And he was labeled as somebody who was always trying to just always he was always underneath, but always trying to get ahead. And that, but he, but but he always the way that he did that was through manipulation, through through. through let me tell you a story, and we're about to read in Genesis chapter thirty-two. Because before I end this sermon, there will be no more Jacob. Jacob will be finished. Let me tell you, spoiler alert. But here's what happens. What happens is Jacob is tired of being in second place. He's tired of, of always being the guy underneath. He's, and so he says, I'm going to make a plan. And he was a mama's boy. Do I got any mama's boys with me? Come on, somebody. You're like afraid to raise your hand. Raise your hand. Don't, don't be scared. I'm a mama's boy. Come on. I had a single mama, all a single lady. Anyway. And so, you know, I had, I had a single mom. We had, I, we, she had three boys. I was the oldest. And, man, we were, me and my mom were tight. Well, Jacob is tight with his mama. And Esau, the older one, is tight with his daddy. Esau was a, was a, he was a bass pro shop. Come on, poster board. That's what he was. 
he was out there fishing and hunting. And I mean, this is really in the Bible. It doesn't say anything about fishing, but he was a hunter. And he was out there with his bow, and he was all about it. He was a burly guy. The Bible says he was hairy. He, and he, and he, he, so he, he's the big brother. He's the manly man. He's out there getting it done. But then Jacob is at home making soup with his mama, trying to trick his own brother. His brother's out there hunting, and one day he gets tired, so he makes a soup. He comes out there with some Chef Boy RD. Come on, somebody. He gets there. He says, man, I, I know you're hungry. I got some ramen noodles. And he, and he says, hey, and, and Jacob, uh, Jacob deceives Esau and basically gets him to trade his birthright for a bowl of soup. It gets worse than that. Not only does he get his birthright, like the legal birthright, by tricking him for a bowl of soup, by getting him to promise his birthright to him, which kind of gets him as the place in the family that he wants to be. But then he also, there's a blessing you get from your father at, your death, at the deathbed. In this time, your father will speak a blessing over you. And the firstborn got the best blessing in this time. But Jacob said, I don't, I don't only want to steal the birthright. I also want to steal the blessing. I want the birthright. I want the blessing. I'm tired of being in second place. So him and his mother come up with this scheme. His, Esau is, is this hairy, burly guy. And Isaac is their father. Isaac is old. And they didn't have LASIK surgery back then. So as he got older, he couldn't see. My man's working with cataracts, no contacts. I mean, he's got it going on. He's late. Yeah, that's right. Somebody said, poor guy. That's right. He's laying there on his deathbed, and he can't see. He's, he's blind. And as he's literally getting ready to die, what he does is he tells his servants, come on, bring, bring my children in. It's time for the blessing. But what Jacob did was he made sure Esau did not find out that the father was passing away in that moment. And he says, I'm going to slip in, and I'm going to get the best blessing. I'm going to steal it. And so what he does, he says, there's a problem, though. My, my brother, he's a hairy guy. And so he talks to his mom, and his mom says, I know how to sew. Hang out right here, baby. You, you. And so they have this problem that if, they, if Jacob goes into his father's room, he won't be able to see who he is because he's blind. But if he feels him, he'll know that his skin is smooth. And so his mama says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make you a Chewbacca outfit. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and they make this outfit with hair all over it. And he, gets, he, puts, he puts it all over him. And he goes into the room and he slips into his father's room as he's dying. And Jacob begins to edge his, inch, inch his way and get closer to the edge of the bed. And as he gets there, Isaac says, to, he asks Jacob a question. He says, who are you? And in that moment, Jacob lies to his dying father and gives the answer that he believes my father's favorite is Esau. My father won't bless me. My father won't, I, and I've always wanted to be Esau. I've always been in second place, and today, here's what I'm going to say. And his answer, when his father asked him, what is your name? Jacob did not say, I'm Jacob. He said, I am Esau. His father says, stretch out your hand for your blessing. And Jacob stretches out his hand and the father puts his hand and rubs the skin on his arm. And because he's got this hair and this thick, coarse, you know, goat skin on his body, J Jacob receives the blessing from his father because he manipulates and lies to his own father on his deathbed. But he gets what he wanted. Sometimes you will get where you want even if you go the wrong way, but you'll lose who you are. I need to say that again. Sometimes you'll get to work that job, that position, that, you know, 
You, you, you get that group of friends, that circle you wanted to be in to, to, the, to the young people. Let me just tell you, sometimes you want that status. You want to, it's not just you, though. It's the older people, too. You'll get into that neighborhood. You'll get that retirement account. You'll get that boat. Sometimes you'll get, you'll get that thing that you wanted. You'll satisfy that flesh, but sometimes you get to where you want at the cost of who you are. Because he says, I'm Esau. He doesn't know who he wants to be. So what happens I want to ask you, what happens when you're willing to sacrifice who you are to get to where you want to go? Eventually, the things that you were chasing will chase you. Eventually, the things that you wanted to hold, the things that you wanted to have, they'll have you. Some of you wanted to have that business, and you got it now, but how many of you know that business has you when your children should have you? Some of us, we wanted that church to be that size. I'm speaking to pastors now, just me in the room, but you can relate. You wanted that church to be that big. You wanted it to grow that fast, and you wanted to have that ministry, but now that ministry has you when your wife needs to have you. She's your first ministry. What I'm saying to you is if you're not careful, you'll sacrifice who you are to get where you want to be. And Jacob did that. And what happened is that Esau, his very own brother, was hurt so bad and was deceived, and he lost his birthright, and he lost his blessing. So much so that he went off and he became angry. And if you fast forward to a couple decades later, Jacob is older now. Jacob is married now. Jacob has children now. Jacob has a home now. Jacob has a business. He cheated to get his business as well. He got ahead in business and tricked his business partner. Here's what happens. Somebody runs up to Jacob one day and says, you've got to leave everything you have. He says, why? He says, because your brother is coming. The person tells Jacob, he says, your brother is coming. And not only is your brother coming, he's not coming to give you a hug. He's not coming for a family reunion. He's coming with 400 armed soldiers that are coming to wipe you out. See, Esau would have to kill Jacob, but not only Jacob, he'd have to kill Jacob's offspring so that he could literally erase Esau, his older brother, would have to erase everything of Jacob's life in order to retake his position as rightful person in the place of the birthright. And so the very people he wanted, he chased that position, but now that position is making him have to run. And so he's running now. And what he does is he goes in, he says, grab the children, grab everything, grab anything you can carry. Everybody, come on, let's take, leave that. Don't, we don't need that. We can't carry that through the night. Hey, we don't have room for that anymore. And, he, and basically everything they can carry, they get it and they begin to travel. And they travel far from where he is and they begin to run. And eventually they're getting tired, they're on the run, and they get to a river named Jabok. And when Jacob gets to the river named Jabok, somebody tells him, your brother is gaining, your brother is close. See, he's traveling with women and children, they're traveling with soldiers. And so he's, 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 he basically understands if I don't stop and I don't, if I don't give him myself, if I don't turn myself into Esau, if I don't say I surrender, my whole family is going to die. My only chance is for me to stop and to send them on. And so what happens is he sends all of the, all of his servants, all of his, all, he sends his family, he sends his children. He says, you guys go across the river and I'm going to camp here for tonight. And then we get to a night in the Bible that there's a fight that will forever change the history of our world. The worship team can go ahead and come as we get into these last scriptures. But Genesis chapter 32, I want to read you a few verses and I want you to, I want you to see what happens when you lose your identity chasing your destiny. It says that this left Jacob all alone. Let me get a little help on the keys behind me. And let me say that again. This 
left Jacob all alone. And if you keep living like Jacob lived, you'll wind up all alone. His children are running for their life in the opposite direction from their father. His wife now doesn't have a husband to help because he's got to handle his business from his past. And here he is all alone. The Bible says he was all alone in the camp. And then, but then, here's what God does when we find ourselves My brother's coming to kill me. Talk about family problems. My brother is coming to kill me. I lied to my father on his deathbed. My wife and children are running in the other direction for their life because of my sins. And here I am all alone. And what I love is that that when he's, I bet he looked at himself and said, "How how did I get here? He might have even looked up at heaven and said, here I am. How did I get here? All I wanted was the blessing. All I wanted was the birthright. I've always been second place. I just wanted what they had. I just wanted to, I just wanted to, you know, I I didn't want that much. I didn't really cheat that bad. I mean, how did I wind up here? But it's in moments where you find yourself all alone where God can really speak to you. And Jacob is there all alone. And what he doesn't realize is something's about to happen where a heavenly being is about to enter his earthly camp. The place where he is all alone is the perfect place for heaven to meet humanity. And when you find yourself in a place where not knowing who you are has gotten you to where you're all, you are all you are, and you at some point have to look at the, and go, here I am. This is who I am. I mean, I thought that habit was just going to be when I was young and a young man and, 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 and in, in high school, but man, I've carried it with me all the way through my marriage. Come on, somebody. I thought that, that drinking thing, I was going to give it up, but man, I just can't stop. I thought, I thought looking at that, I mean, I thought I didn't, wouldn't need that anymore. I just was, it was just exciting for a season, but now it's the only thing that I know how to relax and get stress off my chest. Man, I thought that, I thought that coming to church would change me, but I'm still the same. Sometimes it's not just in a moment like with a bunch of people around. Sometimes it's the moment when you're all alone that you can get face to face with heaven and it can change your humanity. That's okay. They're like, I don't know if I want to clap or not. It's kind of good. So watch what happens when heaven meets humanity. It says when the man, which we later find out that this man was actually the presence of God on earth, because Jacob was all alone and God came to visit him in his loneliness. When the man saw that he could not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and he wrenched it out of socket. So Jacob is desperate. He's wrestling. Why do you think he's so desperate? Because he's at the end of his life. He's about to die. His brother's about to kill him the next morning. This is his last night on planet Earth. And he knows where, his, where he's headed because he's had nothing but a life of shame and failure after failure. And, you know, even when he wins, he knows that he lost because he lost himself. And so his, his hip gets wrenched out of socket, but he keeps wrestling. Then the man just said to him, let me go. The dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob is still doing all that he's ever known to do. Some people think that this statement is the powerful statement. No, Jacob has been fighting people for blessings his whole life. He would lie to his father for a blessing. He would cheat his brother with a bowl of soup for a blessing. He would do anything. He would cheat his business partner for a blessing. Jacob's been wrestling for a blessing his whole life. Here's the situation. At this season of his life, he's tired of running. 
He's been, he's run, now he's like, I can't run any further. And tonight I'm gonna wrestle, but here's the reality. And I just saw this this morning when we sang this song. I kind of thought, man, it's awesome he has this determination. Because one thing you can't take away from you can't take it away from Jacob is he was always willing to fight. He was always willing to get in there and, and do what I mean, he had like desire. He had a what was it? Persistence. He had everything America celebrates. He had ambition. But here's the deal. He 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 knew where he wanted to go. He just didn't know how to do it to get there. And he always did it the wrong way. There's nothing wrong with the woman he wanted to marry. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be blessed. If you're with me, can I get a good amen? There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm, I'm tired of being in second place. There's nothing wrong with fighting. The problem is, is when you, when you do it the wrong way. I'm saying, there's nothing wrong with the ambition to run that business. There's nothing wrong with the ambition to, to, to chase that dream. It's just what happens when you're willing to change who you are to get to the destination instead of letting who you are take you to the destination. And so he missed that whole thing, and he had lost everything. He lost his relationships, and now he's lost his wife and his children. He's losing it all, but yet he still is the person that by faith was promised to be part of the miracle that would bring Jesus. What if... What Abraham missed is Abraham thought the blessing will be I get to be a, a, the, the founder of a nation. What he should have seen and what he didn't maybe see then, but I guarantee he sees now, is that he wasn't the founder of some political nation. He was the one who ushered in the son of salvation, the one who would bring salvation to the world. Jacob thought it was about the blessing. But I listened to this song and I realized it, the blessing was not what he needed. What he needed was transformation. Watch this. I'm not letting you go till you bless me. I'm a fighter, the guy says. You already bro broke my hip out of socket. I don't care. I'm not letting go. I'm determined. I'm not leaving. And then here is what I think is the powerful part of the story. A familiar question that Jacob had heard before. But last time he heard this question, it was by his father. And the question comes up again. What is your name? I'm asking you today, what is your name? Who are you? Are you being the person that you think the world wants you to be? Are you being the person that your father tried to form you to be? Are you trying to still prove that coach wrong that said that about you? Are you still trying to earn? Are you still trying to watch this? Are you still trying to prove to God that you're saved by your actions instead of receiving his grace? Are you still trying to become somebody or are you living because you know who you are? And listen to me now, Jacob, in this moment, let me tell you something today. If you got the name Jacob, it ain't bad because they change it later because in this moment, the question is not, will you fight for the blessing? How hard will you work to get, to get somewhere with God? That's great if you're willing to work hard. The question is, do you know what your name is? Because he said, this time, I can imagine he's, he's hurt. Get in the story with me. He's wrestling all night. This is, I'm talking hours of wrestling. And this, this, this angel, this, this presence of God, this heavenly being says, listen, man, the sun's about to come up. Get off of me. And he says, I'm not letting go. Tomorrow I'm going to die. When the sun comes up, my brother's coming to kill me. You got to bless me. And he thought the blessing would be get rid of Esau. He thought the blessing would be go be an assassin. He thought the, the blessing would be call down 10,000 angels. It feels like I'm in the presence of God right now. Would you just solve my problem? But see, the truth 
truth is God did not want to destroy Jacob and God did not want to do anything about Esau. It was not to destroy Jacob that we had a fight night in the Bible. It was to transform Jacob. And a lot of times you're going through the thing because God is trying to change you. He's trying to see not are you willing to fight, but will you find out who you are? And Jacob, he says, what is your name? And he says, I'm Jacob. That's me. I own it. And do you know if you're ever going to be changed, you got to acknowledge I, I, I need to change. And it's in that moment that the angel of the Lord looks at him and says, you're Jacob, not anymore. Verse 27, what is your name? The man asked him and he replied, Jacob, I'm not Esau. I'm not, I'm not who I said I was. I'm not, my whole life I've been hiding behind a lie been acting like I'm somebody that I'm not. I've given up who I am for where I wanted to go, but tonight I admit it, I'm Jacob. Are you willing today to say, I'm stop, I'm gonna run from anything anymore because you thought you needed less Esau, but what you needed was less Jacob. And tonight, or this morning, just like this night, this can happen for you. The angel looked at him and said, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, which means prince with God because you have fought with God and man and you have won and you can win this morning if you will stop trying to chase the identity but instead ask God, who am I? Come on, let's stand to our feet all over this room. What if the blessing is not something you can see in the physical but what if the blessing is a transformation in the spiritual? Is there some part of you, you may say, I'm not, you know, my whole life isn't messed up, but maybe there's a part of you, I've been thinking about this, where sometimes I go, I'm living as Jacob, not Israel. But as I look across this room, I want to tell you that there's an Israel inside of every Jacob. The father that God's called you to be, that's inside of you. The mother that God's designed you to be, that's inside of you. The son or daughter of God, pleasing, living a life holy and acceptable to him, that's inside of you, but we lose it. But he knows how to take you back to wherever you lost yourself to get to where you were trying to go. Do you know he can take you back to that right now? He can, God, if you will, God can do it right now if you're willing to stop running and start wrestling with the real situation, which isn't Esau on the horizon, but who you've become. So I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads and I want us to worship to this song together. We're just gonna sing it just a couple times and then we'll pray, but come on, let's worship to this. What if Jacob realized the blessing wasn't something he, that the angel of the Lord would give him, but it was being in the presence of the Lord. And I think that's the biggest blessing because that's where change truly comes, is being with Jesus. It's when heaven meets earth and right now, you need to give, you need to stop, stop running from it. And right now you need to wrestle with it and you need to give it to God and say, God, I don't want this thing anymore. I don't want that position. I don't want that. I don't, it's not that uncertain amount in my bank account. It's not that, it's not that popularity. It's not that thing that I can pull into my driveway. What it is, is it's you. I don't want anything else. What if we had a wrestling mindset that said, God, I'm willing, I'm willing to lay Jacob down so I can become Israel. Come on, let's sing this with all that we have. Let's sing it like Jesus is in this room. Come on, sing it like it's a prayer, not a song. Come on, lift it up to him.
nothing else will do. I just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just Let's lift our hands to the Lord this morning and say, I'm giving it to you right now, God. That should be enough. Come on, sing it out. Come on, you sing it. Let's worship. We're, we're going to worship like, like Jesus is in this place. Somebody can be set free from Jacob to, to this moment right now. All the voices in the auditorium let's pray this right now before we leave let's pray it to God nothing else nothing else will do I believe heaven can meet earth right now nothing else nothing else nothing else come on give it to him right now say I don't want that I don't want that anymore I don't need that anymore. I don't need that anymore. All I need, come on, his name is Jesus. He's all I need. He's really all I ever needed anyway. I didn't need that blessing. I didn't need that position. 
I didn't need those people to like me. I didn't need I didn't need that what I thought. When I got it, it wasn't what it promised it would be anyway. I didn't need that. I thought I'd be happy when I got there, but I'm really only happy when I'm with you. I'm really only satisfied when I'm in here in this place with you. And nothing else. Come on, sing it out. And nothing else. I just want you. Is there anybody in this room that says that's all I want, that's all I need? Come on, throw your hands up to heaven right now and tell him. So I want to, I want us to close our eyes and, and just have a moment to pray before we leave. And they're going to continue to sing that, and I'm going to come down here. And if there's anybody in this room under the sound of my voice who says, I just need you to pray with me, I'm going to be available. I want to pray with you. Maybe you say this message, man, it just, it shook me. And I've been running from some things, and I need this to be, I feel the aloneness, and I, I need this to be my moment where I, I leave as Israel, but I came as Jacob. And so I'm just going to hang out down here and ask them to keep playing this. After, you know, and, and I don't know how we're going to handle that. You know, I just say my church, I'm just visiting. Come on, somebody. So I don't know how y'all do things, but I feel like the Holy I feel like there's about two or three people in this room that can leave with some things broken off of their life forever. And so I just don't want you to leave and, and not do that. But let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads together. And let's just acknowledge that maybe there's somebody in the room who says, man, I haven't been following Jesus. I don't have a relationship with God. I've lost it somewhere along the way. I lost it somewhere. I let the, I lost me. And when you know, when you lost you, you really lost who God is inside of you. And I need to come back. I'm coming back to Jesus today. Or maybe you say right now, this is the first time I've ever done that. And I just want to receive salvation. Let me tell you something. It's not about earning it. It's not about what you can do to make an angry God happy. It's about knowing that God loves you and that he made you and he designed you. And because he loves you, you can love you. And today Jesus wants to do that. He wants to give you the gift of knowing who you are in him. And the only way we could come back to that relationship was by the blood of the cross that it covers all of your sin, all the things you feel guilty of, all the things in your past. Hey, I stand here today still. I repent all the time. God, let the blood of Jesus cover my sin. I want my past forgiven. I want my shame erased. I want to walk out of this place with no guilt, and I want to know that I am in a relationship with God. You can begin that relationship with God right now. The Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you want to call upon the name of Jesus, don't be ashamed. Lift your hand right now and say, that's me. I need to call upon his name. That's me. I'm lifting my hand to tell God, this is me. This is my moment. I'm doing this right now. Come on, let's pray with those in this room that need to do that. Father, we receive your mercy. We receive your grace. And we ask, God, for you to be enough in our life. Forgive us for all of the times we've chosen to go 
away from you, every time we've run from you, every time we've broken your heart by disobedience. We give it to you now. We surrender in this moment. We say, God, we're, we're laying our life down. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for my sin. I receive his grace and his mercy. I believe that God loves me and accepts me today where I am, but he loves me too much to leave me the way I am. So I receive the gift of new life and I ask for the Holy Spirit to fill my life right now. Wash me in your blood and fill me with your spirit so that I can live a life free, free, free indeed. I will walk out of this place fully surrendered, knowing that I am with you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said together, amen.